Welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast powered by Guardian Caps. Guardian Caps are a one-size-fits-all helmet cover that help reduce impact for your players during practice. Coach Perry is a huge proponent of Guardian Caps after using them at Pearl High School, and it was one of the first football items he purchased when taking the job at Nixon. Caps are mandated by the NFL for O-line, D-line, linebackers, tight ends, and running backs, and utilized by over 270 colleges, over 3,000 high schools, and over 600 youth programs across the country. As helmets become more and more expensive, the Guardian Caps also do a great job of protecting your helmet investment. See the link in our show notes for more information on Guardian Cap. In each episode, John takes you on a journey of growth, learning, and endless improvement. Whether you're an athlete, coach, or someone simply just striving to get better, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, John Perry. Welcome back to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast this week where we have an outstanding guest. Our guest today is one Joe Ferraro. Joe Ferraro is a 25-year vet of the classroom where he teaches English, public speaking, creative writing. He also hosts the 1% Better podcast that I kind of feel like (laughs) should at least be related to my podcast. They should be brothers, right? Like Never Stop Getting Better or 1% Better podcast. I think I just listened to your latest episode, which was 287, if I'm not mistaken. Um, You also have the website, damngoodconversations.com, where you, uh, you know, you do a lot of different things. But number one, you coach people. You coach people on speaking. You coach people on podcasts. There's a ton of information um, on that website. So I'm excited and I'm scared. You know, I'm a boy from Pearl, Mississippi, so when I'm talking to an English teacher and a public speaking coach, and I'm a little nervous about how this is going to go because my language is probably not the best. Although I had some great English teachers in high school, but um, welcome to the show, man. I'm excited uh, for the conversation. Oh, me too. Thanks for having me. Uh, we we share some mutual friends and uh, been listening to your podcast, and it's a good sign that when I listen to the podcast, I get more excited for our upcoming conversation. So you got a lot of things going for you, John. I'm excited to be here, man. Well, I'm hoping that it can live up to the website. I'm hoping that it will be a damn good conversation. So we shall see. I was sitting around my house. I have a friend, Amanda Box, who I went to church with um, for a long time in central Mississippi, and your name come up. You know, we were talking about people she had met, people she had run into, you know, and your name come up, which I already knew uh, because I followed you on Twitter. So, you know, we did uh, talk about you, but that's what led me to reach out to you and ask you to to be on this podcast. I'm going to tell you where I want to start. And, you know, this is a question that I've asked a lot of guests is, you know, they say more things are caught rather than taught, you know, and you're thinking about raising your kids right now. They're catching more things from you then you're probably actually verbally teaching them. What did you learn growing up in your household early on with your mom and dad? You know, like what did you catch from them? What what behavior skills, what things like that did you catch? And let me preface this by saying, you can stop my question and correct (laughs) my question and coach me up on my questions at any point in time you want to. Like I love feedback. I love critical feedback. As you well know, sometimes it's hard to find people that will be honest with you. And I am that person that you can be honest with. So if I can uh, ask the question better, man, please stop me and tell me how I can do that. 
it's a beautiful invitation and you you know i i, I love the, our build we build the conversation together is what i always tell guests and i feel like we're doing that together here sign of a good question is you ask it and as it's happening i'm thinking you're going one place and you pivoted slightly there to say what did i catch from my parents i thought you were going down a place where what are my kids catching and i'll answer that briefly because that's where you took me sure i was rushing home today to get my my daughter to make it on time for a conversation and I'm like, I need a favor. Can you grab my water bottle? I'm going to set up the podcast. I want to get the tripod going. She, can you hang out upstairs? I'm going to make you dinner later. And I think the honesty of me pursuing something that's really important to me, to honoring my commitment, to be here in a conversation, is not something I'm nervous about, right? She's right upstairs. She's in a safe place. But hopefully they're catching that mom and dad have a life outside of the kids. As much as we love them and they are our world, my wife's at a Christmas party right now with colleagues. Uh, I'll do that tomorrow. Uh, I'm here with you. I'm not upstairs, right? So they're on their own. You know, they're 13 and 10. So that's not, they're not leaving infants alone, but I hope they're catching that. My dad is still working at the restaurant. He turned 77 this week. Uh, he owns and operates a restaurant in uh, Pennsylvania. So I watched his work ethic uh, day after day. My mom helped him build the the restaurant by baking uh, the pies and cakes for the restaurant. She retired unceremoniously with no negotiation a few years ago. <laughs> she said it's over. Right. Uh, business took a hit, but we kept going. And she also believed in my dad while she was raising us. So there's a myriad of lessons to pull out of there, right? But I mean, my mom's the storyteller at the at the table. My dad's the guy that you don't want to call during dinner. It's a very short conversation oh, for my oh. friends. Uh, he's all business with, you know, him being there for me with coaching me through sports and baseball. My mom's raising us and taking us everywhere and making sure we're we're fed and clothed and have all the, the holidays accounted for a partnership that was not without work. Right. They had to work. There wasn't it wasn't a life of leisure. Um, so I'm, those are some of the, the broad strokes that I'm catching and, and and I hopefully pass it on to my kids. That's awesome. And, and you know, I think back. You know, like one of the things that I know I caught from my mom was get up and go to work every single day. You know, I watched her go to work as a nurse and never miss a day in over 40 years, you know. So, you know, I've not missed, you know, days work. Like I, you know, that's just something I caught. It was so that means caught. you're you're getting you're getting criticized by your peers for never taking a sick day. Sure. They make fun of you because you have the personal days stored up. That's what I sure. have. And uh I don't know how else to help you. I mean, I, I show up, I want to be there now. We have to acknowledge it's a little bit different world now with with, you know, sickness and health and mental health. And we don't want to begrudge anyone who does take the days off. But people like you and me that grew up and caught that, you know, by example, maybe nurturing the nature, as my as my friend might say. And uh, yeah, I, I don't we can't apologize for it. You know, maybe we could we could do it better another way. But that's who we are right now. <laughs> that's right. For sure. OK, um, moving on into high school, college, what? You know, how did you come by choosing, you know, education as a field? You know, what role did sports play in that? Like, how did you decide on, you know, I want to be a teacher. I want I want to try to influence kids' lives, you know, uh, for the rest of my life. I wanted to be a major league baseball player. So I kept going as long as I could down that, that road. And when it became pretty obvious that they weren't going to pay me to play the game, we had to make other decisions. And, right. uh, you know, it, it ends for everybody, whether it's college or pro or little league for some. I played Division One baseball. You know, I've interviewed uh, just a recent episode I had was with a Division Three basketball coach, and I told him on air I should have played Division Three baseball, but I was blinded by that Division One 
you know, half a scholarship or whatever it ended up being. Um, but I think division three was the place I should have been in a winning culture like Marietta or something all over the great country. Um, but at that point, I remember being a senior in college and uh, we were met, met with the advisor and, you know, I was taking education classes. I was taking communications classes and the woman said, you know, so you student teach your senior year in the spring. And I said, well, no, I have, I have baseball. That's my last that's my last year of playing baseball. Like I'll never be able to play competitive again. She's like, but that's that's the whole reason that you're in education school. I'm like, I understand, but I would need to reschedule that because that's my last year of baseball. And she's like if you don't student teach, you can't be a teacher. And I'm like, I, I guess I'll have to find something else to do. <laughs> and she thought I was nuts. And I said, no, I mean, I have to, this is not going to, I'm not just going to give up the last season. Is there any way we can reschedule it for the fall? Make a long story short. Um, she paused and thought about it and said, it's really abnormal. And we went back and forth and she was gracious enough to say, student teach in the fall, play in the spring. It worked out really beautifully for me that I ended up student teaching with a mentor who on paper would be totally different than me, but he let me teach the second period I ever taught. So sometimes people say, when did you know you want to be a teacher? And I just make up a date, September 1st, two, uh, 1999, because it wasn't until that first day in the classroom with the seventh graders at that time. Now I teach high school where I said, this is something I can do. Like, I know I can do this. I can repeat this. I can improve his lesson. I can improve my lesson. I didn't realize it was a, uh, a playground for intellectual ideas, inspiring people, public speaking, a little bit of performance, being critical, uh, thinking critically. All of those playgrounds became obvious within that first month of student teaching. Up until then, I had no aspirations other than coaching because I watched so many coaches growing up who I admired. How did, you know, like I chose biology as the field that I wanted to teach because in college I had a biology teacher that was fantastic. And I think that's probably why I chose it. How did you choose English? Like what was the thought process behind that? It was always horrible at math. Uh, I learned now with the <laughs> fixed, fixed and growth mindset that I could have been better at math, um, but I, I didn't do the work, right? And it never clicked for me because I didn't do the work. I'm sure there's some nature there, but a lot of hard work didn't go into it. And I was always interested in the in the communication arts. So whether it was trying to get my mom's attention by telling a story or writing for the school newspaper eventually or having a radio show at college, I knew that there had to be something in communication. In fact, I was a communications major in college, minored in education, which it was amazing that they let me teach after like five classes. It was like all these communication classes, five right. education classes. Right. Now it's it's not like that anymore in most places. Um, but I do think another thing we all we always think about is who is that teacher, right? And for me, it was a guy I ended up ended up having on the podcast, John Nebels. Um, he was my English teacher, and one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, he gave a eulogy uh, for a fallen classmate where our entire student body was there. And during the eulogy, he made us cry, laugh, and think. Mm. Like you're literally like crying as a teenage boy, and uh, and you know that's translatable to me in sense of moving people with words. I mean, he sat down and wrote out a speech and was able to elicit emotion from 400 boys. You don't see that a lot. And to take that, that tact and that opportunity that we don't take lightly, it meant a lot to me. And I, and I've been doing it ever since. Well, and it's a gift, you know, I mean, there are people in your life or in my life that 
they have that gift, you know, and yeah, I know it can be improved. I can get better. Everybody can get better at any skill, but there are, there seems to be some people that do have a gift toward speaking, you know, to other people. Let me ask you this, because, you know, you mentioned the, the teacher uh, influence. This was a question Amanda Box um, threw at me to ask you, you know, talk about coaches. I'll say coaches or teachers you know, good and bad, because if you've played ball for any length of time, you've had some bad ones too, you know, like you've had some good coaches and you've had some bad coaches, you know, like describe a good coach and a bad coach or a positive influence and an influence that wasn't so positive in your life as far as a coach um, goes. Hmm. I think either the good, the good and the bad coaches, they don't always have a lot of things in common. They go about things in a different way. I was listening to your podcast uh, th today with uh, a writer, a really renowned writer from Mississippi, who I liked a lot. He said that every team that he covered that was successful liked each other. I, I, I have not found that to be true. He did go on to say everybody respected the coach, and that's the sure. word I would choose, right? Like I even gave that example to my students today. I said, you guys worked in groups today. You're not working in groups because I think that's the best way to work. You're working in groups today because you need to get better in working in groups. And I tried to click that. I said, so I'm moving you around. You're not with your best friend. In fact, you could dislike the person you're working with. You're trying to figure out some mutual respect and get better at working with someone. So you're actually an advantage if you're not with your best friend. I'm trying to explain those life lessons to, to ninth graders. Um, so the good and bad coaches, the broad strokes for me is do you want to be at the field engaging in the activity and do you feel like you're growing? I mean, we can get it to everything else. We can get into winning and we can get into self. But am I growing as a person or an athlete or both, ideally? And do I want to be around them? You know, one of the earliest podcasts I ever heard was with a coach, Mark Kingston. And he said, my job is to create an environment where people want to be together, want to grow and want to get better. So the good coaches have that in common, however they go about getting us there. The bad coaches, they do the opposite, but they can do it in some devious, subtle, almost unintentional ways. The amount of times in, in college I had teammates say to me, I don't know, you know, should I transfer? Should I, I don't know if I want to play baseball anymore. It's unthinkable for a kid who loves football or loves baseball to not want to play anymore. And, you know, you do some soul searching when you're an adult, you look back and you say, well, what was it? Why couldn't I overcome X or Y that he did or didn't allow? You know, you see things like you ground out to second base with a man on second this is 1990s. And you're thinking like, oh, I just did a good thing. And he's like, ah, oh, bad swing. I'm like, bad swing. I'm trying to move a runner. Right. And it was just a difference in the way we saw the game and the way we approached it. Um, but I think maybe, maybe it's just as simple as a, a bad coach doesn't see you, doesn't or doesn't do a good job of articulating that he sees the young adult or the, the person you could become. And unfortunately, you do learn. Well, fortunately, you do learn a lot from those bad experiences. Yeah. And, you know, I've had both. I've had I've had good experiences and bad experiences on great teams and both teams were great, you know, but mm. the way they went about it, you know, totally affected me in a different way. You know, and I, I've heard this a while back. We're kind of like Walmart greeters in 2023. You know, like what what are we selling to our kids? You know, are we walking? Are they coming into us? And we've got a huge smile where, you know, we want them to walk in, we high five them, you know, like we are the person that's welcoming them and wanting them in our program. Or 
Are we that Walmart greeter that has a frown on our face, you know, mad because we're there? Don't say anything to them. You know, like you can feel the Walmart greeter. When you walk in, you can feel this is a person that is excited that I'm there or this is a person that is not excited. And I think, you know, we have to make it fun, you know, like because there's so many choices in 2023 that they can choose to do that. You know, it is a little bit different, you know, like I played. Did you football. always feel that way? Um, as, as a coach, that that was your role. Like, did you say, did you, were you, were you ever a coach? Cause no. I heard some amazing things about your coaching style. Uh, Amanda was raving about you as a coach. And I've heard that from others. I'm wondering if you've pivoted with the times no doubt, or, or if you, you know, always were the affable guy that made it fun there. No, I think I've always been. I've always been into relationships. Like I've always built good relationships, but I pivoted in that you can't just be all about coaching. It can't be drive block, drive block, drive block. Like it's gotta be, let's go out to eat and then let's go drive block or let's go, you know, it's, it's, that has been a pivot, you know, because I had both growing up, you know, in college, I had both, I had, I had the, guy that drove us really hard and we were really good. But then I go to Harding university who is playing for a national championship Saturday, by the way, in division two and love ran the show, you know, like we worked hard, but it was, there was no doubt that they loved us. They built relationships with us and they held us to a high standard in a totally different manner. And that, you know, was a big impact on me. You know, like I want our kids to enjoy showing up. I want them to be glad that they're a part of something. I want it to be an experience that, you know, they enjoy and that they can use the things that we teach in other aspects of their life. I want them to be a better father because they played football, you know, in, in Nixon, Missouri. I want them to be a better husband. I want them to be a better human. And that's not always been the case. You know, some of that's yeah. just as we grow and learn, right? We change and we do get better. Um, and my favorite in the interview that you listened to today with the sports writer, the first question, you know, I asked him like, what is retirement? And it was awesome because I have that same thought, you know, like people, I retired from Mississippi, moved to Missouri, but like, I didn't retire. Like, I mean, I'm doing the same thing I was doing there just in a different state, you know, like I can't see not, you know, doing what I'm doing. Like that's, it's hard to imagine you know, because I absolutely love, I love kids. I love trying to make a difference. And that's what drives the ship, you know, is the relationships and, you know, the football part, like anybody can coach football, baseball, basketball, right? I mean, you can YouTube it today and figure it out, you know, but the relationship piece is, is a little bit different. Yeah. And I mean, on the point of the question, I think the gentleman's name was Rick, I think. And um, yes, when you asked him, what does retirement mean to him? That's when you got my attention, because one of the core bedrock principles I have when conducting a conversation is we don't need to hear what everybody did in kindergarten and your whole life story before we get into the meat of the conversation. Sure. I call those high velocity questions. And to me, when you start a podcast with what did you catch from your parents and you start a podcast with what does retirement mean to you? And you got Rick laughing within the first 30 seconds of the interview it's hard to not have a good conversation sure. at that point because you've done your homework. You're coming at it from an angle. There's a, there's a degree of not rushing, but efficiency about you where you're trying sure. to learn, right? The, the logo of your show, which is pretty damn sharp. It says it all right. We're, we are trying to get better here. We want to 
enjoy each other, but we want to get better together. You, me, and one plus one equals three. We want the audience to really feel like they walked away with something. And sure. the kind of questions you're asking, you know, they, they get my attention. Sure. And, and as an English teacher, you know that one plus one equals three is the definition of synergy, right? Like that's synergy. Like I'm, I'm not the most intelligent human in the world, but I did learn synergy because <laughs> synergy is at work in our football program. All right, let me ask you this. What inspired you to start the 1% Better podcast and how has that evolved, you know, since episode one all the way through to 287? Well, maybe I'll answer that in two or three parts. Um, I like this idea. I think 1% better can mean a number of things. I think it can be continuous growth, something you talk about a lot, like Kaizen idea. I think it could be lifelong learning. Um, there's also a piece of it we don't always talk about, and, and I love it, where it's like, if you have a meal, was there a way the meal could have been better? Mm. And, I'll, and I'll really make it tangible and maybe make a joke, but it's serious. I, I have a file on my phone where I wrote what we need to do for next Thanksgiving when we're hosting to make it better. Part of it is, you know, I'll do the turkey this way and not that way. But another piece of it is like, how do we communicate to our guests um, to get there earlier without hurting their feelings? Or wow. we're going to be okay if, uh, if they don't get there earlier, no hard feelings, but we're going to start at this time. And there's that kind of piece of it. I told that to a few people and I got a, a very wide variety of reactions. Like I, I got reactions like, why would you like, that's just enjoy a family holiday. And I'm like, I want to enjoy it. And part of the enjoyment is you enjoying it. A, my family, my guest, and part of the enjoyment is, can I make it better next time? Can I make it 1% better? I don't want to revolutionize it. I just want to make it better. And if you're going out for pizza tonight, I want you to go to the better place. And obviously these are a lot of food analogies but you know the same thing whether it's a pen it could be a pen i don't need to continuously push myself where i get to perfectionism but there's a pen that you like better than the other pen and i don't know why we can't have that if they're in the same price point the second huge piece is uh, a professional baseball coach is a friend of mine and he was launching his consulting business and he said have you heard of this thing called a podcast and i said yeah i've been commuting a long time so i i, I want to listen to podcasts every day he said, I'm thinking of starting one where we interview coaches and, and teachers and umpires and scouts from the game, and maybe it would you know, help us and help them. Would, would you do it with me? And I jumped at the opportunity. So we did about 85 to 100 episodes of what was called the KWB podcast, and um, it was hugely instrumental. I got so many reps. I learned how to work with another partner in the booth, so to speak. We had no rules. We were making it up as we go. That started in 2014. And slowly but surely, he was complimenting my questions and my research and what I added to the show. And he kept saying, you got to think about doing your own someday. And I'm like, well, my own, I got to set up charges and buy a microphone. And I came up with every excuse in the world, John. July 1st, 2017, I finally did it. I almost shut the whole thing down when I found out that there was a monthly fee for hosting a podcast. I'm like, right. wait, I thought, I thought this was free. And it's not expensive. I don't want to scare people listening, but like it was like a seven dollar a month fee at that time. And I was like, I don't I don't think I'm going to do it. And he's like, I give up like you spend more on that than that on coffee. And I don't know what you know, what's the problem here? So I just felt it was time. I got over my fear, my imposter syndrome. And you asked about evolving. It changes your life. You, you put publish. And now a guy from Mississippi and a guy from Connecticut or Philadelphia originally is 
we're friends because of this. And who knows where it leads? Do I get down to Mississippi and we hang out? Do you introduce me to someone? Do I connect you to someone? Um, I never would have thought people would pay me to coach them on how to ask better questions or how to give better speeches that came out of it. It changes you in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, hopefully that, that snapshot is helpful for people because when you push send, when you push publish, when you learn in public, even if you make mistakes, it's as a, as a guest once told me, you're increasing your surface level for luck. Mm. And when you can do that at some type of digital scale, you just have no idea where it leads. I got two thoughts. Number one, you know, your first point about being able to think about getting 1% better or, you know, a, a tiny droplet better in our relationships around Thanksgiving or that meal or that inner, you know, the way we invite people, I think is phenomenal. Like I, I wake up every single day with the thought of how can I get a little bit better today? So I'm going to read every day. I'm going to podcast every day, but you know, the thought of trying to, you know, roll that thought into other walks of life. I really haven't had that, you know, like we just went to Thanksgiving and there probably are things that, you know, like could be a little better. You know, I'm not going to say the turkey because my brother-in-law cooked it and he's listening. The turkey was fantastic. Okay. Now, a side note is I don't understand why we eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Like chicken's better, but that's a whole nother story <laughs> for another time. But that thought is phenomenal. The second thought is, you know, I, I, I have a list of goals. You know, I don't know if you can see them. Okay. But Dr. Gilbert from Success Hotline, you know, a long time ago when I started calling, told a story about a guy that always had his goals with him. He always had them. Like he had them laminated. He took his goals to the shower. So, you know, I write my goals down and I keep them in my, my clip. Okay. But this is 2022 and 2023. There's six on each side. And I want you to see this. Now the people listening is not going to see this, but you're going to see it. My wife for Christmas going into 2022, because one of my goals was to start a podcast she bought me a microphone, right? I mean, okay, it looks good. Awesome. Yes. Well, it's set in the floor of my office until six months ago. So it sat there a year and a half. Like this okay. was a goal and I failed. 2022, I failed to start a podcast. But 2023, you know, I finally made it happen about six months ago. Now, I still haven't learned how to use the microphone, okay? But, Come on. <laughs> um, I still got, it's still sitting in the floor, okay? But. I've got a podcast up and running like I, I did, you know, and I'm proud of that because I do know how easy it is to set a goal, hit a little bump in the road, whether it's the, you know, $7 a month fee or not under not understanding how to do it probably stops a lot of people, you know, and that's um, that's one of the things that I think you can help a lot of people with is getting over that hump you know like getting over the uh how to do it how to start it i'm interviewing a, a lady next week that you would probably absolutely love and you know you would probably love to interview her name is dr terry wersbacher she's i think she's uh 74 and she hmm. just completed a uh 314 mile uh race which took like seven days but one of her goals is to start a podcast, you know, and she hasn't done it because, you know, for whatever reason, we talk ourselves out of it. So 
Um, I need to send her your way. You could probably help her tremendously. Whereas I still don't think I could help her with the technology um, part of it. All right, let me ask you this. The, the concept of, you know, 1% or the concept of getting better, you know, like where did that come from? Like what is, what is the history of that with you and, you know, in naming it and that thought process of getting a little bit better? Where did that, where did that come from? Guardian caps are lightweight, one size fits all football helmet covers for practice. They reduce 20 to 33% of the impact, depending on the speed and the location. Great for the repetitive sub-concussive blows that add up throughout the week. Also great for body blows. Used by Clemson, Penn State, Washington, Oklahoma, 150 other colleges, and about 2,000 high schools across the country. Also protect that helmet. If your helmets are getting beat up at the end of the year, Guardian caps can help protect that helmet investment. It has to be something that goes back to to my childhood with my dad. I'm I'm trying to picture events. I mean, we always practiced. We always wanted to go out and practice. But then when we spent time together, my brother, my sister, my my dad, my mom, there'd be little things like, uh, you know, I, I just said this the other night, actually, you're making me think, which is I told my son that his grandfather, who they share a name, I said, he's famous for tasting a dish at a men at a restaurant and saying, I can make this. I think that's, mm. I think that's nutmeg. I can, I can make this. So I think there must be something there where he's like seeing how someone makes it and then be, begins to experiment at home. And if it gets good enough, he puts it on the restaurant menu. And then if it gets good enough there, it comes to the Christmas Eve menu and so forth. So I think that's a, a, a piece of it. Um, when I was 18, I played on a highly successful baseball team that ended up winning the national title in American Legion ball. You know, we were three and five to start the year and ended up 48 and 12. So that was a heck of a run down the stretch, you know, played that game on ESPN in front of, you know, in front of 5,000 people. And that was always a pursuit of excellence and trying to get better. Um, I never considered myself an amazing athlete of any kind. So I think there's a piece of it there where it's like, can I will myself? Can I play harder? Can I, can I play like Pete Rose played on the field? And, you know, can we, who else hustles that much? And, just kind of a mindset and a behavior list where you're just trying to to beat the system, right? To to in a way, when you get paid to speak or you get paid to even teach, it kind of feels like stealing money a little bit because you're like, wait, but this is fun. I know I feed my family this way, but I I think I would do it for free at least on some level for sure. Um, so I think there's just a quest, right? And and I don't think I realized until recently how much the teaching and coaching profession is a Petri dish for experimentation. Yeah. You're working with lives and it matters, but you have so many different complex personalities that the work requires you to experiment. If you don't experiment, you, you stagnate. So I think all of those pieces together, they just fit quite nicely for, for me. And I'm thinking of comments from friends, like that's a very Joe thing to do, to have a reflection mm -hmm. to have a reflective process. But I, it, it's always been something I do. Well, I think one of my uh, one of my core values personally is curiosity. Like I think being curious is, you know, is just outstanding. And I think one of the things that you caught from your dad was curiosity. You know, when he tastes a meal and and you know immediately thinks, I can do this, or what are the contents of this, or how can I improve this, or you know, like that is something <laughs> that you caught. You know, and that that skill set you know he was using it for 
you know, a meal, but the same skill set is if you are a baseball player or you are, what can I do to make myself a little bit better? And I was, you know, I was a walk on in college because, you know, 5'10, 5'11, and who wants a 5'10, 5'10, 5'11 offensive lineman? But as a walk on, I think, and I don't think I knew that, you know, this was a process at the time. But looking back on it, I had to do things a little different. I had to do a little extra. I had to be a little more uh, thick skin because, you know, I mean, walk-ons can be treated a little bit differently till they earn their keep, you know. And um, I think those things did help me in the profession that I went into to try to always want to learn how to do something a little bit better, you know. And I think that we use the 1% in our um, in our program all the time. You know, like our kids, you know, we're about trying to find the little droplets of water that we can add so that on game day, the dam burst and the water just runs. You know, like what are the little things? And I think that, you know, which is why I love the name of um, your podcast. Let me ask you this. This is maybe off topic. A hundred, no, 287 episodes. Is that right? Yeah. Give me a couple. And I know on your website you have, um, which I think is awesome. I've thought about this myself was categories, you know, and then give three or four or five under each topic. Um, when you think back through almost 300 episodes, give me a couple that just stick out to you. You know, a couple that, you know, if, if somebody hasn't, say, listen to your podcast before and they just run up on it because of this, you know, give me a couple that you, that, that made an impression on you. Yeah. First of all, you're referring to this, this notion doc, this website, very simple website that I finally hired someone to do. And I, I think for anyone listening, and this goes for you too, John, if you're starting a podcast or less than a hundred episodes in, Find a way to make a simple landing page where you categorize as you go, because it's a pain in the you know what when you go back and do 287 and try to break them down. In fact, sure. the person I hired said, you can't add anymore. I said, well, it's my show. She said, yeah, but I, you're, you're handpicking these. And I said, I don't want people to be offended. I don't want people to be even thinking about this is my favorite because these are my babies. Like, I'm going to answer your question, but I know that if I'm on a show tomorrow, I'll pick three different ones because sure. I love them. Like sure. episode 32 with a woman named Kathy Salit, S-A-L-I-T. It's not one I'm going to name right now, but I loved it because it was about the art of improvisation. Right. That's not where I think someone should start, but I love it. I love uh, the every man or every woman. And I love talking to Mitch Album, who wrote Tuesdays with Maury and, and was probably mm. the biggest book to me while I was student teaching. So people listening to this show, I want to tailor it for them. Episode 150 with my father. Right. I, I interviewed him upstairs. Uh, with a beverage, kneecap to kneecap. That's one that you got to listen to after how sure. much I've talked about him here, right? Now, I'm thinking about doing a second one while I'm home for Christmas uh, this month. Um, I would say episode 26, Seth Godin, going all the way back. He was kind of my nerd hero. He told me he would be on episode 100. I said, I don't know if I'll live that long, Seth. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, you got a deal. Let's do 20. After you do 25, email me. So that meant a lot. It's like a as like an inflection point. Um, I'll connect it to my dad again and connect it to sports. Just recently, I had Fred Clare, the former general manager of the 1988 Dodgers on. And first of all, 
I think Fred's 88 years old or I, I got his age wrong, but he's, he's up there. He was friends with Jackie Robinson. He was friends with John Wooden. So right then and there, the wisdom that this man has, right. The, the elbows and you know, that he's rubbed shoulders with. Here's the thing. He called my father because I told my, I told Fred that my dad was an admirer of him. What's your dad's name? What's your dad's number? I'm calling him. Mm. He called him again last week for his birthday. This wow. man literally brought Kirk Gibson to the 88 Dodgers and is in more Hall of Fames than I can spell. And he's calling my dad, the restaurant owner in Pennsylvania. So that demands, you know, respect. There's another episode that I think your audience will will love. And I'll and I'll pause after this one. The new bench coach, or they don't know what his role is yet, but he's on the major league staff for the Guardians, the Cleveland, former Cleveland Indians, Kai Correa. He was Gabe Kapler's bench coach at San Francisco last year. He is the best infield coach in the game that I'm aware of. And uh, he's revolutionizing a sport that's already in the midst of a revolution in terms of infield play. And what we talked about on that show was learning and systems. So not just, hey, how do you, you know, let's learn. It's more like, how do you organize it? The time, how do you put it into buckets that are, you know, repeatable for you? And he says some things that people aren't going to agree with and people are going to love, which I think makes a great conversation. Like at one point he says, I never take a shower without a video uh, that I'm watching. And I don't know if that's good or bad. Like part of me is like, you need some downtime. Part of me is like, he's squeezing out every ounce of learning time. He said, he's thinking in the shower. He's watching a video on how to, it could be how to build a shed or it could be how to reach an infielder. We can let, audience members determine if that's healthy for them, but that's the kind of person that I'm talking to. And those are like three or five that come to mind right away that I just think your audience would love. That's awesome. And I'll, I will list those. I'll put a list of those in the show. Cool. Something I thought about when you were, you know, saying, um, you know, that about the uh, guy contacting your dad, I interviewed Sherry Cole, who was, you know, as hall of fame basketball coach from Oklahoma and, you know what is absolutely amazing is after I interviewed her, which she was gracious enough, right? I mean, she didn't have Huge. to do And I'm sitting around about five days later, and in my mailbox shows up a thank you letter from Sherry Cole. She's thanking me for having <laughs> her on my podcast. And I thought, that's different. You know, like, but that's why she was so successful as the head coach at the University of Oklahoma. Like, there's just something different. So that leads me to this question or this thought, you know, of some of the 287 guests, you know, some of the best conversations that you've had, the damn good ones. What were some of the commonalities amongst the guest or the conversation and the way it flowed? Or, you know, is there commonalities amongst them? They're here. They're right here, John. They're not there. They're not responding to an agent. Yeah, things happen. A dog barks. They have to move sure. away. But they make you feel, you know, we've all heard it about Bill Clinton and different politicians. They make you feel like you're the only person in the room, right? Whatever side of the aisle you're on, they don't, they can connect to human beings, mm. whether it's what the kids are calling Riz that came from the word charisma or whether it's something else. I think it, I think it's that. I think they're there and they make you feel special. You know, when I coach people on how to be a better guest, I might just say something simple, like, I don't want you to ever be robotic. I don't want you to ever be uh, something you're not. But could you say the host's name once in a while? Because otherwise, you feel like they're going on the podcast circuit. 
and they're just ripping through. So if no one ever says John, I feel like they're they're not they're an autopilot. They're sure. just saying what you know. I've i never have a conversation quite like this. There's some better, some worse, some different, but we're going to be here and we're going to make this conversation. There's a there's a scene in the movie Sideways where the woman's talking about a bottle of wine is an organic experience. If you open it today, it tastes one way. And even though you'll never know it, if you opened it up a week later, it would have tasted different. That's how I am with conversations. We do this tomorrow. We record it again tomorrow. We don't ask the same questions. We don't answer the same way. We don't have the same energy. So I think focused energy being here is, is one commonality. The other one that immediately springs to mind that everybody can do today, they have a bias towards action. Mm. That you know, As much as we're talking about you and I being thinkers, if we don't want to pat ourselves on the back, but we're also doers, we're workers. We're not afraid to, to, to look foolish on a camera. Um, we're going to go out there and do that. And they do it. In fact, when I was, I, I just remembered when I was starting the podcast, I wrote to this one podcaster repeatedly and I kept asking him for book recommendations and guest recommendations for, and he said, look, I'll give you one more book and then you got to go do something. <laughs> he cut me off. He's like, I'll answer your questions, but you got to do something. And I've told him that story years, years down the line. He has no memory of it. Of course, like so many great teachers and coaches, we never remember what we say to, to kids, but it means so much. And, you know, so, so that presence, that energy, and then that bias towards action, try things, iterate, you know, easier to steer a ship once it's moving kind of met metaphor. I think that works really well for people. I think those are two fantastic ones. Um, another Dr. Gilbert referenced the success hotline. One of my favorite mentors in the world, you know, says uh, K minus A equals nothing. Knowledge minus action equals absolutely nothing. You know, like you can read 100 books a year, but if you don't do anything with them, it's absolutely pointless. You know, and I have I have lived that a little bit. You know, I probably about 15, 16 years ago, I decided that I was going to wake up every single day at five o'clock and I was going to read. And I've not missed a day in probably 15, 16, 17 years. Well, wow. that equates to about 100 books a year. Well, you know, and I still like if I don't do anything with that, it's absolutely useless. You know, like if I don't use what I've learned to influence kids in that school building or to, you know, host a podcast and try to carry on a decent conversation, you know, and have stories, which is what has been my number one, my number one takeaway from reading just in general is it gives me story after story after story to share with our kids. And people learn through stories, stories stick, you know, like words and, and all this stuff can go in one ear and out stories, um, change lives. You know what I'm saying? So that's one that, you know, I think is extremely important. Let me ask you this. How do you personally continue to try to grow and be better, you know, personally and professionally, you know, like, in your field, in your podcasting, like what do you do to personally try to be better? I think when, on my show, we talk about mindset, language, and behavior. And that's just how I framed it from the beginning. So the mindset comes first for me that I am, I consider myself a lifelong learner. I tried to put a life philosophy on paper a few years ago, and I don't really refer to it that often. But when I think about it, it would probably be that I can learn something from anybody at any time and even any experience. So I literally want to learn 
truthfully, I want to learn from the restaurant that I took my family to last night. Like I want something to be taken away. And that might come with a problem, which is I want to be present with my family, but that's just become who I am and what I do. Like I'll be present, but then afterwards I will reflect. So that's the commitment that I made mentally uh, that way. Now, luckily, what I learned very early on in doing the podcast is that the podcast feeds the teaching and the teaching feeds the podcast. Mm. And then I can put it into action. Maybe this is a personality trait. I'm not afraid to put something in action tomorrow. Like there's a very good chance something from our conversation will show up in my classroom tomorrow. I'm not waiting six months. I'm not waiting till September of next year. I'm putting it in on a micro way tomorrow. Um, I think that's a, a big piece of it. Another thing is you, someone said yesterday in a podcast, if you don't look, you won't find. We have a young teacher across the hall who I've labeled as my reverse mentor. Now I talked to someone and they said, reverse mentor is nonsense. It's a mentor. I, I get it, but I'm trying to prove to you that I'm 46 years old. She's 26. And I went into her room with a yellow legal pad and I said, I need to know what you know about reaching young readers and writers because you're so much closer to them. I cannot stop learning. So I'm learning. I mean, I've, I'll tell you the truth. I've asked her five times as many questions as she's asked me. And that's not an indictment on her. That's just where I'm at. I know she has things to teach me. I see how she reacts and and engages the younger people. And, you know, you know, this as a teacher, you go through seasons and, and you know, if the show lasts long enough, if you will, you become a different character. So I was the young, cool teacher at one point, presumably. Hmm. And now I'm the the dad figure, right? Now I'm the, hey, would you have any advice on the prom? And, you know, and it's a totally different thing than, hey, what am I wearing? It's like, there's different questions that come at you and you play a different role. So those are the big pieces that, that, that immediately I can go granular in all of them, but those are kind of like big, big rocks that you can think about. You know, to second, one of the things that you just said, I listened to George Raveling, who is a 87, 88 year old man with a 10 year plan in place. And one of my favorite people that I've ever listened to on a podcast or read about, I heard him say early on that, you know, he went and picked out and found Ryan Holiday and he wanted to go hang out with him because Ryan Holiday was 50 years his younger and he wanted to be relevant. And to be relevant, he needed to know what the young folks were doing. You know, so I thought and sometimes we think that our mentor has to be someone older. That's not necessarily true. Our mentor, we can learn from everybody, which is what you just said. We can learn something from everybody out there. You know, if you don't let your ego get in the way from asking, which a lot of people do that. You know, what you just reminded me of with George and George, by the way, I want to, I'm not going to say he turned me down because I never reached him, but I had a contact to get to George. And the gentleman basically said, he's not doing a lot of podcasts right now. They respect it and move sure. on. But so I had to ask, but I'm not even going to spoil the story for people. And I, I almost hope you haven't heard the story yet. There's a George Raveling story that involves Martin Luther King Jr. That has to be one of the single best stories I've ever heard, certainly on a podcast, but maybe one of the best ever. And what I'll just leave people with is try to find that. And I'm happy to help you connect to it and if you if you want. But what a story. You can read that story a hundred different ways. And I can tell you've you've heard it before. But one of the aspects that no one ever talks about is the curiosity he had. And the ambition that he had to ask that question. I mean, that might be a poster child for asking a question 
and just seeing what happens when you ask a question? Well, it's it's one of my favorite stories, you know, in the world. And I am in a brief manner because I don't want to leave people on a cliffhanger. <laughs> you know, he's in college, right? He goes home with one of his buddies and um, his dad, the, the his buddy's dad says, are you going to go down to the rally? And he's like, no, we don't have a way to get down there. He said, well, you can take my car and you can go down there. So him and his buddy go down there, hang out. Well, because they're basketball players, six, four, six, five, six, six, somebody that's running the thing, ask them, says, can you like stand on the stage and act like your security? We'll pay you. We'll let you, you know, sure. Heck yeah. Like we'll do that. So he does. And as the day goes on, Martin Luther King is the last speaker because they knew that Everybody would stay through him. And anyway, you know, fast forward through the speech and all that. Well, when it's over with George Raveling, and I think the same thing, I think the most amazing thing is the curiosity that George says when he folds up his, I have a dream speech, puts it in his pocket, turns to walk off. George says, can I have that speech? Can I have that piece of paper? And he just kind of looks at him and says, "Um, sure. And he gives it to him. Well, you know, I mean, he says the lowest offer he's been offered for the speech is a million. The highest offer he's been offered is a blank check, fill it in, which he says he'll never sell. Uh, so it's one of my favorite stories in that. What if he hadn't asked? You know, what if he didn't ask? What if he just stood there like I probably would have at 19 years old and just, you know, like this dude asked him for it and he gave it, you know? So the story for me is, Hey, don't ever be scared to ask, you know, like you never know what you'll get. And maybe for people listening who are in education or even, you know, you're in the corporate world and you're looking to, to kick off something next season, next quarter, next school year. Imagine instead of rolling out the rules and the procedures and when you can go to the bathroom and what you can do with your cell phone. Imagine if you said, I'd like to start the school year with a story and you with your style, John, or me with my best day telling a story, just have that story down beat by beat and take 10 minutes to tell it and then relate it to what would happen this year if you went outside your comfort zone. Mm. What if you asked a question that was a little bit unreasonable, a question that could get you rejected? You would have these kids looking at you like, I thought we were going to get our seating assignments and all the all the things every teacher does. You said this word five times so far in this conversation. That's different. Right. That's that's approaching life differently. That's that's getting better. That's being one percent better. That's being more curious, more observant. Uh, I think that's beautiful. I think it would be absolutely awesome. You know, and I think it would be something that would stick, you know, like I, when I heard the story, like I've never forgotten it. And no. I've told it to a ton of people, you know, just because I think it's phenomenal, which obviously with one of my core values being curious you know like it kind of right up my alley this was another question i had that i, I was kind of taking notes as we talk you know like you talk about like wanting to improve on the meal wanting to that mindset you know that comes with a tax all right it comes with does that bother you and you know like i have this rule where if i'm driving more than 15 minutes away i podcast instead of music okay and sometimes I do think, man, is this too much? Is it too much? Like, you know, is it too much for my wife? My, like, cause my kids, when we were little, they just learned to bring their own headphones because they knew they didn't want to listen to my stuff. Is there a tax on that? Do you ever think about it like that? Absolutely. I, I, I was nodding when you said there's a tax. What a great way to put it. There is a tax. I tried in my best to do podcasts on the way into school listening and then music on the way home 
I, I have not been successful. It has not been sustainable. I, I, I like music, but there's something about that. And plus now for my, my coaching business, someone will send me a podcast and now I'm listening to it and I'm reviewing it. Like I, I had this really cool situation where uh, I'm getting paid to review someone's speech. So I'm listening to that and there's a tax. Yeah. I was, I was watching student presentations today and I'm looking around and I'm, I'm going, this isn't great. Like this is not, we're, mm -hmm. we're not there yet. And I'm thinking to myself, why can't I just be present and listen to Alex's speech? But instead I'm saying, I maybe I got to raise the standard, but then I'm, I'm pausing myself and I'm going, it's her first presentation of the year. Like this is a different time. This isn't when we went to school and the teacher said, get up and give a presentation, whether you like it or not. Now we're going back to the Walmart greeter for better, or for worse. We're trying to make students feel comfortable communicating in public. It is not the same, you know, kids these days, we can go back and forth. I do think there's a shift, John. I, we can argue, you know, back and forth, have kids change, have adults change. I'm not sure who's to, to the responsible, but sure. things are different. Let's agree on that. And, um, and I think like that's part of the tax too. It's like, no, no, not everyone has to speak like John or Joe. Like let's, let's pump the brakes sure. and let's use the 1% mindset of like tomorrow. And I'll tell you this, let's, let's give, let's name check him. Alex was the only student so far that that was different. What he did was he emailed me and I checked this today. How was my presentation? Mm. No one else asked that. We did two classes worth. I think that's different. I think that's being outside the box and, and things like that, you know, if there's any theme that's bubbled up in our near hour together, which is think differently, Be, you know, we're not just stealing Steve Jobs. We're, it, it works. Like you, what's something Sherry Cole different, Sure, 1% better, 1% more classy, 1% more connected, mm -hmm. more curious. How do we, how do we show up tomorrow? And the next interview you have is you take something from this and I take something from your style. I think it's great. Well, Joe, man, I have. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I know we're approaching an hour and I don't want to take up more of your time. I know you got to cook supper and get rolling. I got, <laughs> let's say two more questions. Hit it. Number one, what would you say if there's somebody listening that is thinking about starting their own podcast? What would be your uh, advice? Sometimes people say, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. And I say, you've already started. Because most people who say they're thinking about it, We'll do one of two things. They'll they'll get there later than they think, or they'll say, no, it's, it's too hard. So to combat the second part, I think you take out your phone. I think you go to a quiet place. Actually, the best is probably to walk. Go somewhere in a walk. Take your phone. If you have an Apple product, you have voice memo or voice recorder. That's built in. I don't know what the beautiful droid phones have, but believe me, you have something. Sure. And you decide before the walk. You don't do it on the fly. You decide before the walk. I'm going to record five minutes on one topic. And that's all you talk about for five minutes. You record it. And then if you're super scared, you delete it and never share it with anybody, but you tried it. If you get a little brave, you send it to one person you can trust. And you say, what do you think about this? You don't say podcasts. You don't say dreams. You just send it. You want to get nuts. You email it to me or John and we'll be friendly and just give you honest feedback. And then you start to go there with the, with the bullets instead of, cannonballs. And I think that can work on the flip side. People come to me and they say, I want to start a podcast with interviewing. And I often say to them, first of all, it's changed my life. It's my favorite form of a podcast. Have you ever interviewed someone? And I don't ask that for quality. I say, do you enjoy it? Do right. you know if you like it? You can tell by looking at my face and I can tell by looking at your face. We love this. 
Sure. You know, and it's not just, and it is, we will talk to anybody because we'll do the preparation and we'll be interested. I mean, I, this has exceeded my expectations and I was excited to begin with. So if you're thinking of an interview, just make sure you try it. And by the way, that's nothing better interview. I interviewed my dad and we published it, but imagine how many lives can be touched by interviewing someone that, that is in your, your circle. So those are no doubt things that would improve and, and take people to the next stop. Man, I absolutely love that answer. Fantastic. Um, okay. This is the last one. What, what can, you know, like what can you do for people who want to get better? Like what are the services that you can offer me or anybody else listening that can help us be better in something that, you know, uh, whether it be podcasting, whether it be speaking, whether it be, uh, asking questions, you know, like what can you do? What are the services you can offer to us? That's so sweet. Thank you. Uh, I would say the best way to approach that would be if communication matters in your business. And I'm saying business today, right? I know it matters in your life, but you may not want to pay John or me to, to, to improve in something personal. But if money is on the line and you know you stand to be more respected, more confident, an inch taller if you could communicate a little better, Try to figure out where that bottleneck is. If you can't figure it out, that's something I can help you with, right? Like, where is it jamming you up? If you want to start a podcast, easy. You can call me and we get started. If you have a podcast, there's another gear you can get to. There's no question because people don't realize that if you have a guest on like John or I hope me, we can carry the conversation. So if you're good at picking the guests, you can be mediocre at the questions and it's still going to be fine. But there's another gear, a la getting better or 1%. Um, and then the next piece of the puzzle is maybe it's something like this is, and I'll leave you with this. I won't go on too long. I've had young people who are former student athletes of mine reach out to me this week applying for jobs. And they're saying to me, how do my answers look on these cover letters and these four questions that they were asked? This is just yesterday. And we worked through that. So I'm thinking of starting a, a group coaching thing for young people. I don't know what to pay them. I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to charge them. I don't want to charge them uh nothing but i also sure. want to stay married sure <laughs> you know so i want to i want to figure out some way to help young people too that you know time is 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 essence i want to go upstairs and be with my family so i don't know we're we're figuring this out live in real time john but i think people that made it this far into the conversation have a really good sense of where my heart is and what i'm trying to help people with and certainly yours so that's a really generous uh, offer to kind of just let me know. I poke around, send me an email, and let's dream something up. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put your email um, in the show notes. The website is damngoodconversations.com, where you can locate everything is at that website, which is awesome. And I'm contemplating. I think I need to hire you. I heard this <laughs> uh, a while back. The most elite athletes the most elite business people the most elite people in the world have somewhere between nine and 12 coaches in their life you know wow. all different types of coaches and one thing i think in our field that we're in in education i don't think hiring coaches is as pretty as it is in the business world in the business world i have friends that are in business they don't think twice about hiring a coach to make themselves better but yeah. how many educators hire a coach that could improve their communication or could improve their, you know, questions, answers, resumes, job skills, or whatever it is. I think in our field, and some of that may be because 
we're probably not overpaid, right? So we are, you know, we are tight, but I have learned this, that if there's something that can add value to my life, then pay the price, you know, like pay the price. I went through a, and I'll let, let this be it, but I went through a mental performance course that cost me about a thousand dollars. And I'm going to tell you what, for me, for me, and more importantly for my wife, that was a stretch, you know, it was like, Oh man, it was a killer. I have gained more from that experience. That thousand dollars two years ago means absolutely nothing to me, you know, like, but at the time it was hard. So I know there's, it's kind of like you with the $7 fee. You're like, uh Oh, I didn't know yeah. there was a fee, you know? So I would say this, man, if, you know, if, if you have someone that can enrich your life, man, pay them, you know, pay them for what they do, because on the back end of it, the reward is going to be much greater than whatever the fee is that you pay. So, you know, I am thankful for you taking the time to be on the podcast. I'm thankful for you adding value to my life, to the people's lives that listen to this. And if you want to hire Joe, you know, go to the show notes, go to his website, you know, and get him hired up to help you. And I promise you on this podcast that, that we're on right now, I know there are people that are in this world of never, you know, trying to always figure out how to get better, you know, never stop getting better. Like I believe that I will be disappointed if you don't get somebody out of this. And <laughs> even if it's just me, somebody's going to sign up for you to you, help. You're too nice. You would never have a podcast if you didn't take that course. You know that. Right. Well, without that, without that course, you wouldn't have something, no the confidence, the alchemy, the timing. Well, it, it's changed a lot. And it's even changed like with our program. You know, we teach the mental skills like we, mm. you know, went undefeated through our conference this year, ended up 11 and one. And, you know, like we got good players. We got good coaches. We got a good school. We got a good program. But the mental performance piece was a small droplet you know like that was a droplet there's no doubt you know so there are lots of benefits to hiring a coach so i hope that you know somebody listening will hire you for um the skills that you have um you know you've learned and and you know mastered yourself so joe man i really appreciate it i thank you for taking the time um any parting shots this was amazing amanda was 100 percent right i didn't even get to brag about what kind of leader of young men you are and what kind of community builder you are. So I'll shoehorn that in. But I can, when I tell you, I enjoyed this from, from wire to wire. I mean it. Well, I appreciate that, Joe. And I appreciate everybody that listens. You know, if you like it, share it. Um, until next time. Adios, amigos. <laughs>